Welcome to The Corporate Coven, a podcast that explores the intersection of mysticism and the modern workplace. On this show, we discuss how to bring your spiritual craft and practice into the workplace. We'll talk to people who have found ways to include ritual and spirituality into their everyday work and hear from experts on the topics of how to stay spiritually connected while managing the demands of the modern workplace. Our host, Jessica, is a certified career counselor, HR outlaw, and vocational astrologer. If you've ever wondered how to bring your spiritual practice into the workplace, this podcast is for you. Join us as we radically transform workplaces to be a little more magical. What's up, witches? Welcome back to another episode of the Corporate Coven podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to be sharing a little bit more with you about the full moon in Virgo that's happening on March 7th. If you've already listened to the staff meeting episode for this week, then I've given you a little bit of a preview in that episode what this might feel like, but I love offering these episodes to bring a lot more depth to the conversation, as well as the nuance as it moves throughout the different houses in somebody's natal chart or in their horoscope. Obviously, having a full moon in Virgo in your first house will feel very different from, say, having it in your fourth house or your fifth house. So in this episode, we'll go over the general understanding of full moons, full moons in the sign of Virgo and what that means, as well as what this could bring up for folks throughout the different rising signs. So let's get into it. To scope out a few of the details, this full moon in Virgo is happening on March 7th, 2023. If you're in Mountain Standard Time with me, this is happening right around 5.30 a.m. And so this is going to be the exactness of the full moon where um, we see the sun at 16 degrees Pisces and 39 minutes in this chart at 5.30 a.m. Um, in 47 seconds, this isn't an exact because we have the 39 minutes versus the f- moon in Virgo at 16 degrees and 35 minutes. So there's a little bit of leeway here. But if you're looking at like right around 5.30 a.m., you have the 16 degrees sun in Pisces, 16 degrees moon in Virgo. And the moon is forming a trine to Uranus at this time. And this is definitely going to be influencing the way that we are experiencing this full moon. And so if you are a more advanced astrologer or astrology enthusiast, then one of the ways that you can start to bring a depth of understanding and nuance in the way that you're going to be experiencing this lunation is to identify where you have Pisces and Virgo as well as Taurus in the chart because um, this Uranus and Taurus is going to be even more impactful because not only is it going to be forming a trine with the moon, but it's forming a sextile with the sun. So Uranus is going to come in and bring its own disruptive and volatile flavor to this lunation and full moons are already a time when things tend to be a bit more hectic or chaotic and no one is sleeping. Uranus is really going to be amplifying that energy for us. And so if you can understand the specific areas and environments in your chart and therefore your life, which are being 
activated through this lunation, it's going to be a little bit easier to understand like what's going on. And again, at the end of this episode, I will go through each of the rising signs and kind of share this with you if you're not familiar with it already. But as a little preview, if you are an Aquarius rising like me, and actually a lot of my clients that I've been seeing in my astrology readings lately have also been Aquarius risings. And so that's been really fun to connect with other individuals that share my rising sign. But so this is going to be happening. The sun will be in our second house, our money, our finances, our income, our values, The moon will be in our eighth house where we begin feeling disempowered financially or where we bridge intimacy and relationships to share vulnerabilities and shared assets. We think about debts and inheritances, but fourth house is also going to be a part of this, our home, our family of origin, our parents and our grandparents, um, or just like our actual physical home. In some way, there's going to be some story going on between these environments for all Aquarius risings under this lunation. And again, depending on where you have these signs in your chart, um, these will be primarily the topics which are activated or the environments where you experience this energy in maybe more obvious ways. Now, full moons are a time where the sun and the moon are sitting exactly opposite each other in the sky, and the moon is able to receive and reflect the full light of the sun. And so this naturally brings us to the idea of dealing with opposites or dealing with oppositions. If you consider the polarization between Pisces and Virgo, we're going to understand that both of them have a yin polarity. Both of them, both water and earth, have an introspective dynamic and energy. There's going to be this settling and this um, soothing, perhaps, experience. Now, I love using spirituality as an example, and this is something that I've learned from my teachers and has always really resonated with me, and so I'm going to share this example with you as well. If you consider that Pisces deals with that which is spiritual, but focuses on that which also is intangible or inexplicable. In Pisces, we see non-denominational worship. We see the elevation of, um, you know, universal love and brotherhood and connection, if you will. You see an openness to spirituality and worship in all senses and all forms. There's no rules around this. It makes me think about a song. Um, for me, I've shared before in the podcast about my faith transition and what it was like for me. And my own experience of being raised in a very strict Christian organization, but then um, moving through a faith transition, which actually for me began when Neptune moved into Pisces and uh, out of my first house in Aquarius. Um, this is when I really began my faith transition and started exploring other ways to worship. And so one of one song in particular came to me around this point in time and I really loved it and it really resonated with me. The song is by Mason Jennings and it's called I Love You and Buddha Too. And this one always made like a ton of 
like I just I always really like vibed with it but some of the lyrics in it as an example if you haven't heard the song before is it begins with oh Jesus I love you and I love Buddha too Ramakrishna Guru Dev uh I don't know how to pronounce this Daojing and Muhammad and so it's this song about being open to all of the deities all of the prophets all of the uh individuals that we place on these elevated you know, pedestals, if you will, or, you know, highlight them as being spiritual teachers and connecting us to divine experiences of some capacity. And just this openness of like, I can worship all of the things. I can be open to all of the expressions of spirituality and divinity. And there's, again, not like a lot of rules around it. That's Pisces. Virgo, we think of like the virgins and temples, and we think about more of the process um, and the specific ritual that brings us to worship. There is this concept of like cleanliness, that there are standards to be upheld, and there are specific things that you need to do in order to be seen as worthy to commune with deities or divineness in some capacity. And this is actually more familiar with the religion that I was raised in. There were, you know, like, and numbers, I'm just thinking about like numbers were a really big deal. Like there was this many prophets, there were this many disciples, there were this many articles of faith, there are this many commandments that we follow, there are this many, you know, whatever, and things being like numbered and ordered and structured. And there's a series of events, like first you are blessed and then you are baptized and then you go through this covenant and that covenant. And it's very process oriented. There's also a clear structure and hierarchy, which happens with earth signs, right? Like um, the, the benefit of dealing with that, which is tangible is understanding that matter and physical makeup of an element makes the difference in the order in which you place it into a jar. If you want a specific outcome and you don't want things to get all like blurred and muddied together, like what happens in water, um, you know, the idea would be that if you put in really, really hard soil first, and then you put down the sand and then you put in the water, then the water will be clear at the top and only a little bit of it will seep through the sand and down to the hard earth. But a lot of water will, will be able to sit on the surface. Whereas if you put water in first and then sand and then the rocks, it's going to be all mushed together and you're just going to get like a bunch of mud. So especially Virgo, but all of the earth elements know that order matters and process matters depending on the structure that you're trying to create. And this is the polarity between Pisces and Virgo being open and having no boundaries and um, exploring creative ways of worship or connection or divinity as opposed to that which is material, tangible, uh, measurable, quantifiable, and also there is an order of events and there is a way to assign morality and judgment to determine whether or not something is clean enough or good enough yet. And so this is going to be some of the focus that's coming in. This is going to be some of what's on our mind under this lunation is just this natural polarity between Pisces and Virgo. And again, depending on where these Zodiac signs sit in your chart will give the nuance of the environments in your life where you're going to feel this polarity. You can also experience this as maybe being focused on finding the balance between the idea of like being like down to earth um, and, you know, maybe being humble 
um, as opposed to like dreaming really, really big and allowing yourself to think in more fantastical ways. I'm thinking about my experience at the HR event that I was telling you about in a previous episode while I was back east in the United States. And I had a colleague there who was just so good about like promoting my business and saying these like really positive things about me. And I was like, no, it's like not that big of a deal. Like, don't talk about it. Like, it's okay. And, and part of me wanting to be seen as like, you know, approachable and, you know, not full of myself, but at the same time realizing like, no, like I am really excited about my business and it is really cool that I'm doing these things. And I do want people to know about it and to hear about it and connect me with other people who would be really interested to learn more and, and stuff like that. And that's kind of like this balance as well of, you know, being a dreamer, being open to the possibility that you could be larger than life, that you could be successful, that, that anything is possible while also trying to not be big headed or foolhardy and balancing this could make you feel really anxious. And Virgo is one of those signs that makes us feel a little bit of anxiety anyways, which is why we dive into the polarity of Pisces where we try to dissociate, we try to disconnect, you know, all of these zodiac signs have a spectrum of expression and there's that which is maybe beneficial or you could say a light side or borrowing language from the Clifton Strengths Finder assessment. You could say lives in the balcony where it's seen and elevated and raised up. But that means that there also exists a shadow side or a dark side or a basement side quality where it's maybe raw and undeveloped. It's a bit more naive and immature even. And, you know, for Virgo, you know, a shadow side is being overly perfectionistic for being too concerned with the details and potentially even like being complaining or attracting like excess negativity. Uh, whereas the difficult expression of Pisces really is that dissociative quality and wanting to disconnect and being unreliable and unfocused um, to some extent. And so some of the questions that you might be asking yourself around this full moon is like, you know, have I been humble to the point of underrating myself or devaluing yourself, right? You also want to think about like, where have you been worrying too much or even like complaining too much? You might ask yourself, like, have I been paying close enough attention to the details and also thinking about ways in which you have been in service to yourself as well as other people, because these are all very Virgo type considerations and expressions of the Virgo energy. Um, you know, again, across the spectrum of the way that we experience Virgo energy. I think it's important to remember how we live in community and we live, you know, we, we function best when we are in healthy relationships and when we get to connect with others. And part of that is exchanging value and providing service. You know, I'm a Capricorn when I say this, I guess, but like, I really do believe that all relationships are transactional to some extent. I don't believe in altruism. Actually, I wrote an entire paper about it in my undergrad. Now, I don't believe in altruism, which is more of a Piscean thing, right? The idea that selfless acts truly exist, that there can be expressions of selfless love. And this is a lot of the story of Jesus Christ. If you believe in that story or that theology or mythology, 
that, you know, sacrificed his life as an ultimate act of um, love and altruism. Me personally, I don't align with that paradigm. And so um, I think about this idea of, you know, wanting to be of service, but also recognizing that there is an exchange of value. Uh, you know, I do this for you and I get something in return, whether it's just that I feel good. Like there's a lot of compelling research through positive psychology that when we find ourselves in service and volunteerism, it increases our happiness. And so ultimately like service is self-serving. You do get some benefit from being of service to others, but you also get positive relationships and the idea that other people now feel indebted to you in some way of like, Oh, like you helped me and now I'll help you. And so this is one of the ways that we exist in community in really meaningful ways is, is providing service at the full moon. We see the culmination of our efforts. We see this moment where whatever seeds we were planting and intentions that we were putting into the universe or speaking to our deities through worship of whatever capacity we see the fullness come at the time of the full moon. And so we want to look back to the new moon in Virgo of 2022 to get an idea of what were we doing at that time. The new moon in Virgo in 2022 happened on August 27th. And I actually got onto my Instagram and I recommend to all of my followers always like go and do this. Um, go to your Instagram archive, see what you were posting, see what you were liking, see what you were sharing. Go back and check your email, see like what you were doing around the time of the new moon, because now you get to see what's come since then. And for me, like I, I didn't know this until I started recording. Like I, I recorded, I paused, I went and checked my archive and then I came back to share this with you all. But I didn't remember what I was doing August 27th, 2022, the new moon in Virgo. I was in Denver, Colorado at the ESAR astrology conference. And it was at this conference where I got, to, I'm like, <laughs> I am fangirling all over again because I just went and watched all of like my Instagram stories, but I got to meet some of the coolest astrologers. I mean, wow. Like number one, I got to meet, um, Eugenia Kroc, who has been my mentor and I've, I've loved the way that she's worked with astrology for years. She was one of the first astrology teachers that I really started consuming their work somewhat religiously, actually. I finally got to meet her in person, even though we'd been working together for a few years, and her lovely husband, Tarek Adib. Um, I got to meet Chris Brennan. I didn't have my book with me, so he didn't get to sign it. I got to meet Chris Brennan. I met Demetra George. I met um, Colin from Queer Cosmos. I met Christopher Renstrom, Stephen Forrest, uh, Mark Lawrenson from the Astrology School of Sydney or the Sydney School of Astrology, uh, Louise Eddington from Cosmic Owl Astrology, another Utah astrologer that I just have, have we've had coffee together. Like she's amazing. I met uh, Stormy Grace and sat through her lectures. She is fantastic. Um, and like so many others, I was in the same room as Stephen Forrest and Amanda Pua Walsh from the Astrology Hub. Like I, I met all of these incredible astrologers, Omari, I can't remember your last name right now, but I met Omari, um, who sits on the board for OPA. And I saw Anne Ortley. Like, I mean, I, 
wow, <laughs> like I met Astro uh, Choreo in real in the IRL. Like I met all of these people that I have like followed on Instagram and read their books and consumed their work and listened to their podcasts like religiously. And I got to meet all of them. I got to meet all of them. And I remember sitting in some of the webinars and some of the lectures and just thinking like, I could do this. I could do this. Like I could be someone who teaches aspects of astrology, specifically vocational astrology. I remember thinking like, I know my stuff with this. Like I, I could actually do this. I could present at conferences. I could write a book and, um, you know, I, I could do this. I could really take myself seriously as an astrologer, which is something that I have struggled with. I've shared that before on the podcast of just this humility piece of it, right? This is the Virgo of underrating myself and devaluing my work and, always struggling to know like, well, when am I, when am I competent enough? When do I know enough? When am I good enough? When does that happen? And it really was like during this conference and meeting everyone and mingling and like getting to know all of these astrologers. And I'm going to link some of their handles in the show notes if y'all are interested. And if, um, if I shared some names that you're not familiar with, and I recommend all of these astrologers are such wonderful, beautiful people. And I'm just like buzzing remembering that moment, but it's interesting for me that it was at that conference and at the new moon in Virgo that I was like, I could do this. I really could do this. And I have been selling myself short and I've been devaluing my work and my competency, but like, I really could do this. And now here I am and like, I'm launching a coaching program and I'm being seen in really big ways and I'm really investing in my business um, which is more of like an eighth house thing for me, right? Like I, I'm investing in opening up these like shared relationships, these shared resources and assets to try to like, you know, really come up with a really cool offering for people right around the time of like the full moon in Virgo it, but, and still struggling with the idea of like, oh, but do I know enough? Like, am I good enough? Am I doing a really good job? And so, oh man, so fun. So I go check out your archives, go see what you were doing around August 27th, 2022 and see like, what is the connection? What is coming up for you now? And where do you see that coming up full circle? All right, my darlings, let's get into the, by the houses. Let's go through each of the rising signs and talk about where Virgo, Pisces, and again, remember Taurus. Let's talk about where Taurus is in your chart as well, because again, by trine or by sextile, he is having much to do with this lunation and is going to bring in more of that like disruptive, unexpected experience that's going to contribute to the wild nature of this full moon. So we're going to start with Virgo risings because it is their full moon after all. If you are a Virgo rising, then this full moon is going to come in and remind you that sometimes you spend a little bit too much time focusing on other people and what their needs are. Sometimes you invest so much energy into taking care of others that you forget to take care of yourself. And you need to remember with this full moon that you are worthy of your own investment of time, energy, and resources. Uranus in the ninth house is going to be drawing attention to the philosophies which govern and guide your life. It's going to connect you to something that you've learned through higher education, through studying abroad, something that you connect to in the morality and philosophy which governs your 
body and decision making. And it's going to be really supportive to help you break through some of the limitations that you've been placing on yourself, whether that's showing up the way that you want to, expressing your needs um, and asking others to meet them in really meaningful ways that respect and honor your unique expression of self. If you are a Leo rising, then this full moon is happening in your second house with the sun in your eighth. And so this is the inverse for the Aquarius risings, right? This is also going to be shining a light on your finances and really bringing attention to the areas where you feel really insecure with your money, honestly. And that comes from not having a really clear sense of what is valuable to you or what others can value in you and that you are worthy of an investment. There's going to be a bigger sense of feeling disempowered financially and maybe like you're really in a difficult place with your finances. And so Uranus is going to come in into your career zone and your career, Leo Risings, you've been having such a disruptive time trying to find any sense of stability in the way that you manage your routines and your health, but especially in how you generate your income and seek to express yourself through career. And this full moon is going to highlight a lot of that. So be prepared for um, those maybe continued and deeper feelings of not enoughness or scarcity But again, think about how a lot of that is driven by your perception of your own self-value and ask yourself that question, where have I been selling myself too short? Where have I not been recognizing or being too humble about my value? Um, And what do I really think that I'm worth and how do I drive that and push forward? If things are constantly shifting and changing in your career, then I like to quote Littlefinger from Game of Thrones. Chaos is a ladder. And so figure out how to make that work for you. My Cancer Risings. This is going to be highlighting the polarity between your third and your ninth house. And so things could be coming up for you around your siblings, your neighbors, and the way that you're communicating. And what I'm thinking of with this is that there is sometimes this awkwardness where you grow up in family and you have similar ideals because you were raised in the same environment. You went to the same church, for example, but then you grow up and you move away and you experience things outside of that and a little bit outside of yourself that are going to change and elevate your worldview and your world perspective. It could be that you've traveled a bit more than your siblings. It could be that you've done deeper work around your belief system or your education that now makes it to where you see the world in a different way. And that could be really hard to reconcile when you come together at family events or with your roommates or again, like with like your immediate environment, like the people who are close to you right now in the third house and be mindful of how you're communicating these things. Um, And think about like what value are you contributing to the conversation, but where might you say something unexpectedly that could actually cause conflict or tension? Um, And potentially like you might be experienced during this full moon as being, um, it's not just like the word pretentious, although that is coming up for me, but it's like, pious, um, where you maybe come across as like, you know, I am so much better. I know better. I am more woke than you or something along those lines. Like be mindful where you might be the person who's being experienced that way by somebody else. This might be difficult because the larger groups and networks that you're a part of where you have Taurus in the 11th house 
could be more supportive to your worldview and um, are encouraging you to continue this perspective in the world. But just note that it could cause some contention with your siblings or with your more immediate parties. Gemini Risings, this is your home versus your career. What do you really want to be doing right now? I know a lot of Gemini Risings that are really struggling because home is winning. Home is dominating right now. There's babies at home. There are home projects or there is this feeling of not having a home, of not having um, consistent shelter or access to private spaces that feel authentically yours. And so this could be bringing up that polarity of needing to existing career in the 10th house and continue to push forward with your social legacy and the way that that impacts your ability to earn income and generate revenue, but also feeling that pull of like, but home is what I want. Home is what I'm really seeking right now. And so often my career pulls me out of the home and this could be impacting your mental health, right? This could be giving you a lot of those feelings of anxiety and feeling lost and feeling like maybe like questioning the purposefulness of like, you know, for a long time I've dedicated myself to my career, but now I'm really questioning my priorities and wondering whether or not I've made the right decision. Just remind yourself as these anxious feelings come up for you that you are safe you are secure. You are going to be okay. Taurus risings, this polarity is coming up between the groups and communities that you find yourself a part of, as well as children or other creative outputs and what you do for fun and leisure time. Now, when you are spending too much time and energy on your friends, that doesn't give you a lot of time to work on creative pursuits. All right. And alternatively, if you are constantly holed up at home in your art studio or you live and your social life is completely dependent on your children, then it's going to be harder for you to find yourself connected in other more formal communities or professional networks or groups where you get your needs sated and that it inspires you and connects you um, to something greater than yourself, right? And so just being mindful of that. And for you, Uranus has been in your first house. And so I've talked about like in the March career scopes, you've been going through many, many personal evolutions, Taurus. And so part of this evolution that you're going through is redefining and identifying the way that you show up for your creative output and how you still distinguish yourself separate from the groups that you find yourself a part of and how well are you blending in versus where are you perhaps losing yourself and your authentic identity to the people that you surround yourself with. For my Aries Risings, this is happening in the 6th and the 12th house. So this is potentially going to be definitely like a more challenging or has the capacity to be a more challenging lunation for you to experience because this is going to bring up a lot of concerns that you have around your physical health and wondering what value am I providing for the world? Aries risings, you've already been going through it with Pluto navigating your 10th house and feeling this like pressure in the way that you have been navigating your career, needing to go through really intense transformation of your career, which ultimately has been disruptive to the way that you earn your money. And it could leave you questioning now on this full moon, like what value am I generating? Am I even valuable? Am I providing 
real service? And am I worthy of the payment that I'm getting for what I do every day? And this is going to have an impact on your physical health and definitely on your mental health as well. And so Aries rising, give yourself a bit of a break and find yourself um, in retreat to spaces which give you a deeper sense of inner peace. Ritual and worship is going to be more of a thing for you. So if I have any Aries risings listening that don't currently have a spiritual practice of some kind, I would encourage you to explore this around the full moon. And it can look like however you want it to. Again, there's a spectrum of worship. We already talked about that at the beginning of the episode. There's a very Piscean way to do it. Just do whatever feels natural and organic to you in that moment and don't worry about whether or not you're doing it the right way. There's also the very Virgo. So if you're already part of a really specific and ritual-based faith, then you already know the routines that you can engage in to bring you that sense of calm and serenity that you are going to be desiring at this full moon. For Pisces rising, similar to Virgo, this is going to be on the axis of your first and seventh house. And so stuff about you and your partners and relationships are going to be coming up to the surface and will be a big part of this conversation. But the inverse is that when you have Pisces rising and Virgo in the second, sometimes you might be the one that is controlling in partnerships and um, being very specific and maybe even finicky or nitpicky with your partners around their ability or inability to meet your needs. And so really consider how you're showing up in relationship and how you're being experienced by your partner. And when do you maybe um, have too much emphasis on your experience and where you can give a little bit and see your partner, whether this is romantic, platonic, business, where you can really see your partner as a VIP person in your life. That's worthwhile to invest in and really consider the conversations that you're having because Uranus is going to be in your third house. So unexpected things to do with your siblings, with communication, maybe you're traveling in short distances, but think about how and when it's necessary to bring your partner along in these conversations. Aquarius risings. I already talked a little bit about this when I shared at the beginning of the episode because I'm an Aquarius rising, but this is happening in our financial sector as well and bringing the fourth house into it. And so for me personally, like what I'm already thinking about because I'm recording this episode obviously like early and ahead of time. And like, I have just been like up my partner's ass around his tax documents. I'm constantly like, call the company, see where it is. They legally should have been put in the mail already. We haven't gotten it yet. You need to follow up with them. Ask them to email it. Like what's going on? Because I want to file my taxes. For me, it's taxes. Um, I have big plans for what I'm going to do with the return that we get from where I overpaid taxes this year. And um, a lot of it has to do with our home situation and our living situation and potential changes being made there. And so I have massive anxiety that there is a big part of my financial life that I don't have control over. And I really have to like lean on my partner to get this process figured out. Um, yeah, so Aquarius Risings, if you're like me, it could be something along those ways. It has a lot to do with our finances, where we share our assets with other people. It could have to do with 
your taxes as well. It could have to do with paying off debts or taking out business loans or what that looks like with um, a mortgage or a home or a shared like real estate or property of some kind. Okay, my Capricorn Risings, I'm actually going to ask you a question. Where have you been longing to travel, but instead of going far away from home or abroad, you've been prioritizing staying close to home to see your siblings instead? I know that's very specific, but what's interesting is that I have a lot of Capricorn Risings in my life that as I was sitting down to record this episode, I was thinking about it and I was like, oh my gosh, so many of them have been talking about like, oh, I want to go do this. I would love to go abroad. I'd love to go to this country. And they really haven't gone very far from home in the last couple of years. And if they have, it's been on vacations with their siblings or like their Uh, sibling-in-laws or something like that of that kind. And so thinking about like, when do you allow yourself to maybe like go far away from home? Where do you allow yourself to really explore outside of where you were raised and with your family? But also like, has your children been a big piece of that? Like how has your children maybe, um, unexpectedly prevented you from feeling confident moving forward and traveling away of some kind. And again, I know that's so specific and not all Capricorn Risings listening to this episode even have kids, but I get the sense that for many of you listening, that is a reality. The choice to stay close to what is familiar because of how much easier it is with your children And the convenience of doing something close and familiar with people that you know well, instead of being able to go far away from that. And I would really challenge you on this full moon to think about um, what are those beliefs that are maybe holding you back and what do you need to shed that so that way you feel a greater sense of freedom to move away from that which is familiar and explore life. Capricorns also take everything so seriously, don't we? I mean, I'm a Capricorn sun, not a Capricorn rising, but I think about Uranus in the fifth house with the North Node there as well um, for this next little bit. And just really thinking about like, when do you get to experience spontaneity? When do you just get to go do something just for fun, just for the hell of it? Capricorn risings aren't super great about doing that. They're very industrious and very hardworking and they have to do everything themselves. Um, And so this really is about like, offering yourself the grace and the space to be a bit more spontaneous with your travel. For Sagittarius Risings, this is going to feel, again, the polarity between your home and your career, but the inverse of Gemini Risings, where career has predominantly been the emphasis and the focus for you, Sag Risings has been spending a little bit more time figuring out home. What does my home look like? And it's almost been more challenging to get out and to do the career thing. It's almost been harder to commit to um, generating wealth in your life. Not that you don't care about it, but like it's potential that you've been so distracted by where you're living and um, spending time at home, whether you are happy with the amount of time that you've been spending at home or you're now feeling like you've been spending too much time at home and you're ready to come up and like figure out your career again, like when, where have you been spending more energy and effort in your immediate environment? Um, 
as opposed to, again, like going out into the world and building a legacy for yourself. And a lot of this is because you cannot figure out your routine. You cannot figure out consistency. You cannot figure out a stable way to generate value every single day through your work tasks and routines. And you could also have some unexpected things happening with your health at this time. Um, so it makes sense that you've been like spending more time at home, but if you've been feeling like you're lacking in your career and you're maybe wanting to give a little bit more energy to your social legacy, then this full moon is a good time to do it. Similar with my Scorpio risings, where has your life been consumed with your, with your creativity? Where has your life been consumed with your children? And are you ready to get out and to start making friends again? Are you ready to maybe showcase your art or your creativity in a more impactful way by submitting it to, you know, joining like organizations where your work is seen. Like I'm thinking of like dancers right now. I'm thinking about like the difference between dancing at home and then joining a company that has performances or something like that. I'm also thinking about the experience that so many moms go through where like your children are really small and they rule your world. But then as you become, you know, as your children get into school and you get a little bit more of that time back of almost like, how do I make friends again? How do I, how do I meet people outside of just play dates and stuff like that? So this could be coming up more for my Scorpio risings of where has your creativity or your children consumed your life? And when are you ready to come up for air and how do your more intimate partnerships support you in that effort? Is this your romantic partner spending more time with your kids so that way you have more time to get out and to make friends and join organizations? Um, or, you know, is it through your partner that you're being connected to larger social groups of some kind? Last and certainly not least in the Zodiac wheel are my Libra risings. Thank you so much for your patience as you were the last rising sign to get some airtime on this episode but i know that because libra risings are very concerned with other people getting their needs met you don't mind too much or maybe you do because constantly you're having to put other people's needs before your own let me know in the what did you think about this episode feature on spotify if um that touches on a little bit of your experience in the listening order of the rising signs so libra risings this full moon is happening again um, similar to Aries Risings, on the axis of your 12th and your 6th house. Now, this could be a time where your secret self really wants a light shown on it. All of the thoughts that you keep private, all of the hurt feelings that you swallow down and don't share with others to keep the peace and to you know be mindful of how other people are experiencing you, Maybe this is time for it to come out, especially because if you swallow this for too long and you refuse to share this part of yourself, it could impact your physical health. And this is a time where you're going to be really thinking about how do you spend your time every day? What are you doing every single day to honor um, your body and not just your physical body, but your spiritual body, your emotional body. You're a multifaceted person and you're actually very complicated. And when are you not giving yourself enough time to really explore that part of your life? And where are you not sharing that part of yourself with others? And how does this prevent you from experiencing a depth of vulnerability and connection with other people? 
You know, something with Uranus in your eighth house is that you might be unexpectedly dealing with other people's money or resources. You might unexpectedly be taking out loans or going through debts or coming into inheritances of some kind. But in order to do that and to feel comfortable with it, you need to have a depth of vulnerability in that relationship. And it really comes down to trust. And one of the ways that you trust people is by sharing more of those inner parts of your world and your thought processes. And you're really just sabotaging yourself and your relationships by keeping it overly private for you know, the, the opportunity to save face or something like that, to be pleasing. So I would challenge you to really open up and let yourself be vulnerable at this time. I should put a poll on this episode of, do you think we will get my partner's tax information from his employer before this episode is released? (laughs) What do you think, team? All right, I'll stop fixating on it. Well, thank you so much for joining me for this episode. As always, I hope that they are useful and at the least bit entertaining. I want to remind you that as this episode is being released, the registration is open for the Sixth House Group Coaching Program. Right now, um, at this time, it's only open to folks who joined my waitlist, which there were over a 100 of you, which was really exciting for me. Um, I hope that you've been getting a lot of value for the exclusive content that I have been sending out about vocational astrology, as well as some job search methodologies and practices. If you are not on that wait list and you're curious to learn more about the Sixth House Grouping Program, then you can visit my website, thatwitchfromwork.com. Connect with me on IG. I can't shut up about it. I've been posting a lot of awesome content. Same with my TikTok. Um, and Registration opens for folks that were not on my wait list on March 16th, and it will remain open until March 30th, but we're actually going to begin the group coaching container on April 1st. And I already have so many amazing like resources for you, and I'm so eager. I've started even having dreams about it officially. I had my first dream about it the other night where I was in a big conference room with like hundreds of people of all ages, actually a really like a really old demographic, like grandparents and like retirees and stuff like that, which was really interesting. But um, I was talking to them about how their experience was and they were like, we'd be really nice if you'd like get us some food. (laughs) And I woke up and I'm like, what was that about? Um, I've been having a lot of dreams about not eating enough, whether it's me or other people not eating enough. And so I'm feeling a lot of energy around making sure that we are nourishing ourselves, whether it's your physical body or again, your emotional or spiritual body, but there's a big theme of nourishment happening. And so I'm going to make sure that everything in that program is nourishing, not only to me, but also to everyone who is participating. So I'm really, really excited to begin that journey with you all. Again, if you're interested, head to my website and check it out. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Corporate Coven podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and gained valuable insights into the world of personal and professional alchemy. If you want to stay updated on the latest episodes, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and turn on notifications. I'd also love to connect with you on social media, and you can visit my website, www.thatwitchfromwork.com to find other ways to connect and work with me. I'd love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future topics, so please let me know in the comments on this episode what you're interested in. Until next time, keep working your magic 
and casting spells of success in your career and life.